and we're live. Welcome back for another episode on the Coffee with Craner show. Today I'm joined here by Brian Massey, a member of parliament for Windsor West, who has been in parliament for seven terms starting in 2002 and also starting in municipal politics, starting his first uh, job in, in politics for War Two for Windsor City Council. So I'm glad to have Brian on the show today. He's served 16 years as vice chair of the Canada-US Interparliamentary Group and co-chair the All-Party Border Caucus and also chaired the NDP Auto Caucus. Today, we're going to be talking more about his career and how he's really built trust um, in the community in which the constituents he represents. So Brian, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks, Lennon, for having me. It's a pleasure, and uh, I, I'm excited about uh, having a discussion about whatever comes up. It's, uh, it's be fun. Yes, we have we have lots of great questions, and a lot of students that submitted questions today. But my favorite question on every show is, where do you enjoy coffee, and where specifically in Windsor West? Yeah, so there's lots of places, but um, what I like um, is Cafe March Twenty One. Because uh, I live downtown in that area there, so I like to go for a walk. And so I go with my buddy John, um, and we'll go down there. And they also serve uh, during the wonderful Windsor Farmers Market um, down there as well, too. And then, of course, the coffee exchange is always uh, uh, a good spot, uh, especially if you want to go for a walk on the river. Uh, so that's one of the, the, the two places, are the two places there that I, I, I primarily like, just because I like to walk when I get a chance. And so uh, those are the spots. Well, I'm Coffee, too. Yes, and what what is your mug? What is your mug today? Uh, this one right now, I got a few, but this one's actually um, uh, this is a Takala from the Marvel, so it's a Black Panther. Wow, I, I love it. It's very creative. I think uh, I'll have to get you one of the coffee with Craner mugs soon for your collection. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've got a few from the Marvel universe. <laughs> You're a big fan, so. So, Brian, um, I, I want to talk a bit about when you first started politics and you joined as a city councillor. Um, for you, I bet the biggest strategy and the biggest thing is building your name. How did you how did you do that? What strategies did you use to get the community more aware of who you are? Well, I, I got involved just because um, I had worked in uh, the not for profit sector. Um, and so um we had a, a neighborhood issue um, where we were living in a working class neighborhood in the, in the city core, Elman University, and they wanted to put in a 1,100 capacity dance bar for uh, primarily then American youth to come over. And it was bad for the neighborhood because you had over a thousand people spilling out at you know, two in the morning um, and uh, it wasn't good for the neighborhood for them. And so we decided to object to the liquor license process. Uh, and so we formed a neighborhood coalition. Uh, and it was uh, I was elected as a spokesperson for one or two spoken spokespersons. Uh, Pat Toll was the other person. And there was other people doing other functions um, that were involved in this process. Um, and uh, we fought um, and we won that uh, that battle. One of the first ones um, in Ontario's uh, history. We showed that it was not in the public interest uh, for doing that. And that was a huge uh, collaborative effort. And so, you know, Wayne Harris and, and the Harris family, there's others I can go on and on um, that were part of this. Uh, that led to, um, you know, kind of the neighborhood and others saying you should run for city council. So when I ran for city council, um, I not only had my community uh, connection to volunteering and being not for profit sector, uh, but also uh, being someone that had been part of a neighborhood democratic movement um, that was very much um, uh, the underdog. Uh, we were criticized by some mainstream media. Uh, we were criticized by being anti-business. But to this day, because of that, 
um, our win, uh, actually development took place down there. And now it's actually being developed into something much different than what was envisioned back in, in a long time ago. So what really prompted that uh, advocacy work um, specifically with the dance bar? Well, it, it was just that it was poor planning. And, um, you know, my partner, Terry Chow, and I had, this is our first uh, house. We've only had two, and it was the first house that we bought. And we had a choice uh, either to, um, we had found out from our neighbor who um, uh, discovered that this was going to be taking place. And uh, we decided that we could do one of two things. We could sell the house we just bought. Um, and get our money back and get out of there, or we decided to fight, and we decided to fight. We asked our neighbors, and they all agreed um, that there was a lot of buy-in from this. Uh, this is Elm Street um, on, between uh, Riverside Drive and University, that um, the city center core area where we had lost so many different families in the past still was a very good, viable place to raise a family. Um, but this was incompatible development. So we just fought that, and we learned about the process. Uh, we went against a series of lawyers, and we organized the community. So. When we went to city council, I knew city council was not going to support us. We didn't have the votes there and we prepared for that loss. And then we went to the liquor license hearings and thank goodness I had to mention Pat Toll um, uh, and others uh, were just incredible people. And that's kind of really the Democrat movement that we had uh, that carried on through my council years. And that really, would you say, sparked your interest in, in politics? Yeah, because it came a planning issue um, when you looked at the inner city. Uh, we looked at it a place where you didn't have to, you, you should want to be living down there in any good solid city. Um, and I've been saying this for years for, you know, back at those days, um, they go back quite a bit now, over 20 years. Uh, it was basically, uh, you, you, you had no else place to go, you just move away from things. Um, there was very much a, a backwards um, a, a philosophy, whereas like people like to do business where they live. So when you have actually a strong residential component, then you're going to actually have greater, stronger businesses. And this was incompatible. And when we actually defeated them, they turned into a children's entertainment center. And for a while, uh, the community actually supported them. They promised they'd never go back and apply for a liquor license again, and they did. And so we had to fight it a second time. But in the meantime, we had actually supported them uh, by making sure we went to the restaurant all the time. And uh, we also took our kids there and everything. So um, it's, it's something that just kind of led for you know a vision about what's different. And the, there's no reason our inner cities can't be strong on healthy environments to raise children. Well, I, I guess there's no better way to get your feet wet in politics than that example you just you just said there, Brian. Um, but I want to talk about uh, your seven years, at, seven terms as uh, MP for Windsor West. Um, definitely a milestone and definitely impressive um, to be in that role for so long and having the community support you uh, in, in that role each during each election. Uh, what do you believe has really led to being elected seven times as an MP? Well, I, I think the first thing is that, um, you know, there has to be a passion and drive to make change and to not be afraid to speak truth to the powers that are out there, whether they be the political parties or whether it be interests that you you know, the people elect you to, to do so. My strength of my core is still my team here. Uh, the uh, people that have been working with me, um, many for over a decade, um, have been amazing. Um, and, and I'm proud to say that, you know, anyone that's moved on has moved on to do, you know, better things and stronger things. Um, and the ones that stayed here have done amazing more things to this day. Even today, I, I can't tell you um, how impressive it is to have a team that I have right here. So that's the number one thing. Um, the second part of that is to push, uh, really, I mean, the things that you say you're going to do. And so, you know, I've had my first border meeting uh, back in 1998 at Marlborough Public School. 
um, to, uh, you know, challenge, uh, you know, the situation because uh, trucks were lined up down here in Church Road and it was awful and we wanted a new border crossing. And so it's taken these many years and we finally have the Gordie having. But, um, you know, I've been consistent on that being a new public border crossing and a border authority for decades. And we've had several governments come and go, but people know that they can rely on me for that. And most recently, we were able to stop hazardous material trucks from going over the Ambassador Bridge. Um, which is not only just dangerous for the bridge and the environment and the public safety there, but it puts toxic trucks in our neighborhoods too. So people know that when, you know, things are happening, that we're going to fight for them. We're not going to back down. And I think that's the recipe that we've had in this office, a partnership and also the willingness to take on tough challenges and not be afraid to do so. And expanding on that, what do you think are the most important attributes uh, one politician could possess? Well, I, I think, um, you know, you need to know kind of, um, you, you know, your record and, and your follow through is important, um, but also too not to be afraid to tell people uh, if you can't get something done, if it's not something that's in your mandate. So there's oftentimes there's city issues or there's provincial issues. Uh, you do your best to try to triage things, but there's out of your power and you just try to be consistent um, so people have the real truth in front of them. It's not easy. It's not easy to tell somebody that you can't help them. Um, and it's not easy when you, you know, really want to see things get better, uh, but you have no control. So what you need to do is stick to um, what your mandate is. So as a federal member, uh, you know, there's many times where, you know, it's it's just got to be focusing on those issues because the work is insurmountable. So say, for example, I'm trying to get this new National Urban Park next to the border crossing that we fought for, the Gordie Howe International Bridge. I want Ojibwe Shores to become a National Urban Park. And so number one thing is I've been fighting the Port Authority to transfer that money because that's public land. The Port is a public institution. It's not a foreign business. It's not a company business in Canada. It is incorporated and it actually is land that you own as citizens and they want money for it. So I've been fighting to preserve that property and then unite it with other property along that corridor uh, to make a national urban park. And so once we actually get the footprint of the national urban park um, done, then it'll be up to other jurisdictions to try to move in about how to actually protect the species. There's over 110 dangerous species there and other governments that could be partners in this. And so you have to actually then pull back a bit and let the public um, and the other partnerships come to fruition to make things happen. And, and on that, talking about the Port Authority and your plan for it, how do you really ensure that your constituents trust the plans that you have in place for the Windsor West? Well, we do a lot of consultation. Like a lot of the things that I've worked on over the years are ideas coming from people in the public. I mentioned the 1998 meeting I had at Marlborough Public School. Um, it was people at that meeting um, that suggested another border crossing. Um, you know, it's been people that have been pushing me for single event sports betting. Uh, come from this community as well, too. The right to repair to fix your automotive vehicle. Uh, it came from people at the doorstep. I've been fighting fraud. Uh, first ever report was tabled in Parliament at my committee for fraud prevention. It came from door knocking and seeing how many people are affected by fraud and these scammers, uh, not only just in places overseas, but also even in our own country that are ripping people off because they're taking advantage of people with different language skills, seniors or persons with disabilities, or even just the general public. And so it comes from knocking on doors, talking to people, listening to what they say. And so a lot of the things that I do are reflected really much from the constant consultation that we do. And we do that through outreach all the time. I love to be coached. I'm a hockey coach as a goalie coach. And myself, I like to be coached uh, by my own community. And, you know, sometimes it's challenging to pick the spots. But I think that, you know, we've done a pretty good job of kind of getting a pulse. And, and you mentioned door knocking uh, to gather feedback from your constituents. What are some ways you've been doing that during the pandemic and, and gathering their input? 
So the, you know, obviously right now there's not anything going on with that um, at the moment. We we still do some events that we can like through like a press conference or something like that, but we have to follow all the pro, uh, the protocol for COVID and very careful about doing those types of things. But, um, you know, in the meantime, what I've been doing is surveys when we actually send out literature to our constituents or householders communications. So I represent three fifths of the city of Windsor. Not everybody really recognizes that. It's just, you know, you don't know your footprints all the time for federal jurisdiction. And it's one of the largest populations um, in actually Parliament. So I got basically everything from Sandwich Town out to South Windsor, down into the core, and then out to um, uh, the Walker Walkerville area, except for the, the one section of Walkerville. But at any rate, um, we try to communicate with everybody on a regular basis, and then we use social media and so forth. And then listen, people call in all the time. I wish I had um, more time to deal with them. But even say, for example, we just did a thing where we're pushing for rapid testing on the border. And I've had outreach from people now and our science community. They're saying, listen, we're doing some rapid testing right here. This is what goes on behind the scenes with us. And that's been helpful. We're, we're lucky because we get that type of input. And, and to that, while you're, you're gathering that input, how are you really building strong relationships with your constituents? Well, it's um, again, we try to really make sure that um, there's constant communication that's going on, uh, looking for other leaders in the community and um, their input with regards to if we're missing out on something and being open uh, to partner with people and organizations on different uh, issues. Uh, there's no doubt that um, we also have people that are feel comfortable coming into the, the office here or contacting us through email, telephone. I think one of the strengths that um, we've been able to have as a group here is that we're very approachable. Um, people often see me in the street, they see me at the grocery store, they see me at different places. Um, obviously the COVID, it's a little more difficult right now, but um, uh, they see me as uh, someone who, you know, basically has been around. I'm, you know, I live in the core now, but I also, you know, I spent half of my life um, uh, between South Windsor and, and West Windsor. Um, so I've been around those areas that I actually represented and living them uh, all my life. So it's been something that I think people are just kind of, they see me and they say, hey, there he is. And then they're not afraid to come up and talk. So pre-pandemic was one of your strategies getting out in the community and walking about and just just meeting new people? Oh, yeah. Well, even just doing I love canvassing, knocking on doors. So pre-COVID, I just loved knocking on doors. And and that's where I think that, um, you know, you really get a chance to see how people are living. Uh, you see the challenges that they face. Um, I can't tell you the stories that are just heartbreaking where somebody has to choose between uh, rent, um, food and um, the drugs they need. Uh, and you'd be surprised about the issues that people face from South Windsor to Walkerville to down into Sandwich Town. There's many common themes that go among socioeconomic factors that people are challenged with every single day. And so you have to have a sense of humility that, um, you know, the, even the things that you're fighting for. And I, you know, I never profess on any vote or anything. I feel that I'm right. I don't have that absolute truth by any means. I do the best I can to represent it. And I'm a new Democrat and people know that I, you know, I, I care about certain social justice issues and other things. Um, but at any point in time, I never assume that I have the absolute truth uh, or the absolute solution to anything. So you try to be open to that. And that's part of that door knocking that I used to do. And we're still reaching out. We're still calling people. We're still hearing emails. People just doing different things this time. There's there's many politicians or aspiring politicians that watch my show, Brian. What advice do you have for them? Let's say there's somebody looking to run in the next election or uh, looking to get involved as a staffer or anything, really. What would be your advice to those individuals? Well, just to get involved. I mean, if you can, it's not as hard as it seems. And, um, you know, I 
I did some volunteering when I was younger for Dave Cook, um, former NDP MPP for uh, Windsor Riverside and was involved and got a chance to see kind of how things go. And democracy is fragile. We've seen what's taken place in the United States. And it's not to say that it uh, happens here like that by any means, but there's no doubt that our democracy needs improvement. Uh, we believe in changing for electoral reform, everything from age of voting to also um, the way that you vote and then also accountability about the vote and uh, a series of measures to make it more uh, accessible and to push that number up because Windsor West, where I represent, the voting numbers have actually been down historically than before. And that's a concern. And um, we need to know that our democracy is something that needs to be worked on every single day. And it really is about just getting out there, volunteering, uh, maybe the not-for-profit sector or campaigns if you want to get involved. Uh, look at your skill set. Look at the people that are around uh, and if you're comfortable with them and don't be afraid. Um, and you'll find that um, there's a welcoming environment. I, I've met so many people through my campaigns, I can't tell you, and they brought so many ideas. Uh, and some of those people end up working for me at some different points in time or volunteering, uh, and they've made a huge difference. I could just list off that it's amazing to think about the things that we have. Um, uh, we have internship programs in Ottawa, but also down here in Windsor when we, before COVID and others that have helped me out on research. It's just amazing. Uh, I can't tell you. We wouldn't, we, we couldn't, we would definitely not be punching above our weight if we didn't have those people coming in and providing us with fresh experiences, fresh ideas, um, and also coaching us again because uh, things change. Um, they're never the same uh, one week after the next. Well, there you, there you have it, folks, Brian, from Brian Massey. Getting involved uh, is one of his his top tips for aspiring politicians or, or looking to get involved with um, politics. So, Brian, uh, before, before we started this live stream, I asked a few individuals uh, that follow my show, I asked them if they could submit some questions. And I'm uh, very fortunate to have three great individuals that ask questions uh, that they wanted you to answer live. So Brian, if you don't mind, we'll go into those questions. Um, they're all anonymous. The first one uh, says, what has been the most challenging part to being an MP during COVID-19? Thanks, that's a great question. Um, the biggest thing has been not being able to connect directly with your residents that about doing so. So I'm also the National Caucus Chair, so I got to run these online meetings. Um, from we have one member from uh, you know member in, in uh, uh, Newfoundland, uh, Jack Harris, and we have members all the way out to Vancouver Island. Um, and so you're looking at a computer screen and dealing with that and doing all those business. And so that's a little bit challenging. But the real thing is uh, finding new ways to connect um, to constituents through um, the social media and then also being open. I'm lucky that I have an office here um, where they were able to socially distance keep apart and 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 only a, you know a certain group of people come in uh to follow the protocol so we still run a system in here but not having the door open to the public has been very frustrating because uh we have people that walk in here that's why i'm located on Outlet avenue because even if issues that we can't help them federally we try to coach them to get the services for the city because there's a lot of needs and we can't see those individuals right now and i come from a social work background in terms of uh, a support worker that's my my i work for the association for persons with physical disabilities and the multicultural council so we miss seeing those the people um and and it's it, we, we we just have to get through it because there will be better days yes i think we're all eager to uh go to events and see people in the community uh we've definitely all been missing it and uh definitely covid fatigue has been uh you know affecting us all uh so thanks for sharing that brian uh the next question comes from uh, another young student and he asked have you managed how have you managed public interest versus corporate interest during your tenure in Ottawa? 
Uh, yeah, very good. That's uh, <laughs> that has been the real thing. So I will tell you that things changed in Ottawa in 2002. Uh, there, the the way that our democracy would run is very much power lobbied interests with unlimited money from uh, the financial sectors in the business sectors in particular. Uh, and then it was changed uh, to be more accountable in 2004, where there's limits on corporations and unions for donations. It goes to individuals. That was one of the strongest moves that was made by our democracy. So um, it allowed, uh, for example, uh, more transparency and less uh, donations from, you know, companies that some of the companies were getting, you know, they'd get a grant from the government uh, for hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars and uh, or a program of a loan. And then they would donate back to those parties at election time. That was absolute nonsense. Now there's they, they can't even donate. So there has to, you know, that's gone. So that's been one of the strongest points I've noticed over the years. And so I'm known for going after some of the um, the bigger players. I went after the banks most recently with regards to their, uh, their, their obscene charges on credit cards uh, during COVID. Uh, we got them to lower them briefly. Um, they're fleecing in a general sense. Um, and we're not afraid to do those things. My right to repair bill, I had to face the um, the automakers down here, this was the aftermarket where they weren't providing information, training and uh, electronic information for many of the small, medium sized garages. And we've gone after them. So you just be principled uh, and stick with it. So we've you know, we're we're known for 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 going against the big players. Um, but if you do your work and you find other partners out there, it's amazing. And there's I can't tell you enough that when you, you think you're alone and you're going against these challenges, um, you, the other people will come to your to your rescue to help you out. I mean, that's been my history of that, and uh, not to be afraid to do that because uh, it can be intimidating. Uh, the way that I, I view my job right now is that if it goes away tomorrow, I'll be upset, and I'm and it's not something I don't want to do. But I'm not afraid when I tackle those issues because um, it can be pretty intimidating against the the players. Uh, most recently, went after uh, some of the grocery retailers and giants for not doing pandemic pay. Uh, for some of their workers and I'm um, not afraid to do that if you you know I don't live a lavish life so I've set myself to the sense that um, you know I, I want to be an advocate for people and if to do that you can't be afraid to actually look at some of the challenges and consequences that might come from challenging the status quo but if you have that mind of being a long distance runner instead of a sprinter the people will be on your side they'll stick with you that's what I believe. Well, thanks, Brian. Excellent insight. And I hope that answers uh, this individual's question. Um, the next one is, uh, I'm a student nearing the end of my undergrad in computer science. Uh, I don't see Windsor as a viable option for me to find a career in my field. What is Windsor doing in the next five years to get more jobs in tech? That's that's a terrific, and that, these, are, <laughs> these are awesome questions because I'll, a couple ones that I'll, I'll tell you, uh, ones that I, one that I failed on that I, you know, I'm, I'm still was trying to do again, and I still believe was really good um, is some of our, our our gaming industry and and uh, you know some of the things that we're doing with that front uh, could come back here. I think when you're looking at some opportunities, I had tried ten years ago to try to get some of that to come here to Windsor. Uh, actually, went to different places uh, in Canada, pitched the idea, came close on a number of different fronts, and then was trying again just before COVID. Um, but I believe that that's you know one of the things that we really. Um, have an advantage of on the doorstep of Detroit and in the United States and things won't be the same. We will get back to those elements. But the automotive sector is obviously um, still something that I get frustrated with because um, I know that the, 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 um, a lot of the, the, the naysayers over the last number of years have been saying, oh, it's a global economy and you can't compete with Alabama or China or Mexico. And that's been nonsense. We need a national auto strategy. Even the town of Kingsville just issued today a uh, motion about a national auto strategy, and they use a different term, but they called for that. 
we're in a brilliant age of auto innovation right now. Um, we did our first um, green auto strategy. I did it with Joe Comartin, who was then the NDP elected representative for Windsor uh, Tecumseh and David Suzuki and Jack Layton on a calling for a green car strategy. We did that in 2004. And there is such incredible opportunities at University of Windsor and other types of places, St. Clair College, uh, and then also our auto innovators, our tool and dive mold making industry. Uh, and with what's going on in Detroit, Detroit has been unbelievably going crazy with regards to this investment. And we have been missing out. Thank goodness to Jerry Diaz and Unifor. They have actually at their collective agreements in their bargaining position, opened up the opportunities for investment um, for our area. And I can't say enough for our local folks down here uh, from local 200 and local 444. Um, there, there's no, there's there, there, John Dagnolo and Dave Cassidy and others, and there's there's more, uh, Emil Boutnubut, and there's, I can go on and on. They're just amazing people that have amazing workers and skill sets. So I'm hopeful that we can actually cut that edge even harder uh, and, and do a lot more to actually bring some of that innovation as Detroit booms a little bit stronger than us. We have to get that support system and those things that we can fill in from our side here too. So a national auto strategy is the key. I'm sorry to go on long about that, but I feel very passionate about that because that's our environment as well too. And there's an incredible crossover technology. When you think about the stuff that's happening with the automotive sector right now, if we can cross apply some of those investments, technology, information sharing, technology sharing into other types of industries, we have an incredible opportunity. So I, I think that there's a real chance here to, to do really strong things for our area, but more importantly, reflect that impre impression on the world. Well, great answer, Brian. I think that's um, a definitely great insight for this individual. I think um, they were worried about what do they do after they completed their computer science, but there is hope on the horizon. And you did mention um, the investments in the auto sector, specifically with uh, clean energy and uh, clean vehicles and um, electric vehicles. So I appreciate that insight, Brian. And uh, to wrap things up, I just want to say thank you for, for doing this. Thanks for connecting with the community. I think you've inspired um, many politicians, aspiring politicians and uh, students that are that are just going along their um, career path as, as a young professional. Well, no, thank you, Lennon. And, and good, good for you. And for like a lot of things I've done over the years, if you sit on your hand and feel sorry for yourself, you know, we're going to get you go out and try different things and, you know, things that can happen and they're possible and you may not succeed the first time, but they do. So I congratulate you for having the show and doing this uh, because it's a lot of fun. And uh, it also will hopefully, if people want to actually give me ideas, go to www.brianmassey.ca and send me, there's an email link right there. And we're always open for advice and again, for coaching. Awesome. Well, thanks, Brian. I appreciate the kind words. Thanks for joining the show and we'll see you next time on Coffee with Craner. Thank you.